I'm a uh, former youth pastor, so I'm allowed to start a service uh, with a video talking about poop. And uh, (laughs) uh, if you were to win a generation award and you had the opportunity to speak to the next generation, what would you say? What's the message that you would want to pass along? Now, none of us in here are Chris Pratt. None of us in here very likely will one day win an MTV award and get, the, get to blow up a video on social media with some sort of nine or ten rules to the next generation, some suggestions, if you will. So if we can't necessarily influence an entire generation in one speech, can we start with the one? Can we, what we would want to do for an entire generation, what would we want to say to an entire generation, could we start by saying and doing to one person and seeing where that might go? So the question becomes not so much how you can influence a generation, but how could you influence one person at a time? And if you were influencing one person at a time, how would you then go about it? And why on earth is that even important? I believe that the Holy Spirit uses relationships with individuals to foster life change. The Bible talks about in Proverbs, it mentions this verse called saying, iron sharpens iron. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Meaning that when iron, you rub it together, each piece of iron gets sharper. And that's a good thing if you're wielding a sword. As you and I wrestle together, ideally, if the Holy Spirit is involved in that, we become mutually better. We sharpen one another. But we do live in a generation. Have you ever said this? I have said this. You do you. (laughs) Is that really loving? We say that because we're thinking that we're loving somebody. But if we take a step back for a second, if we want to influence a generation, if we want to influence a person, is you do you really that loving? Or might it be just relational laziness? See, you doing you never led you to Jesus. You doing you led you away from Jesus. Perhaps the message needs to be, you need to stop doing you. (laughs) Perhaps it needs to be, cut that crap out. Like, together, let's stop you doing you-ing, we doing we-ing. Let's just be more like Jesus. And maybe that needs to be then the focal point. And what Paul is doing, now we're in chapter 4. We're in the middle of chapter 4 in the book of Galatians. At this point, Paul's heart is for the the people of Galatia, this region of the country that Paul was uh, a part of. He he loves these people. And what he's going to do today is he's going to show us how how our pursuit of endless growth is going to require us to wrestle together. And so when I say endless growth, I'm referring to one of our values here as a church. We believe in endless growth. And one of the aspects of endless growth is that there is no limit to the amount of impact that Jesus can have on my life. Guess what? I ain't dead yet. So I ain't perfect. When I die, I'll reach heaven. I'll be in glory. I'll be perfect at that point. Until then, it's a daily struggle. And so whether I've been a Christian for a moment, maybe when Josh was speaking about Abba Father, it clicked for me. That's my dad. 
So maybe you've been a Christian. You just placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And they all can, it all just made sense. And if you've been a Christian for a moment, or, or you're that person 50 years down the line, you've been that faithful-going, Christian, church-going person for the last 50 years. You never missed a Sunday even when it was snowing. That is awesome. But guess what? You both have room to grow in Jesus Christ. Because this morning I woke up with a goal. Be more like Jesus, my perfect Savior. Be more like him than I was yesterday. And so that, if, if, the, if we believe that the Holy Spirit uses, uses relationships, and our big thought for the morning, what I think Paul is driving at here is this. Endless growth requires us to continually wrestle together. That you, you and I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, need each other. And so when we are focused on the gospel, we are focused on human lives. It's not just, hey, I want to prove you wrong about your beliefs so I can prove me right about Jesus. The care is that I care about your eternity. I care about you as a person. So if we pray for one, we, we wake up and we pray, God, give me somebody to share the gospel with today. Pray for one. Pray for one. Pray for somebody by name. I want to see this person come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm not looking to be proven right. I care about the person because their eternity is at stake, which means relationships are important. So if we're gonna if we're gonna pursue endless growth together, Paul is going to explain now three ways in which we are going to pursue this and wrestle together in our pursuit of endless growth. First. He, he gets at this. We are going to wrestle from a place of relationship. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know that I was with you because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was, was a trial to you, wrestling, you did not or despise me, but I receive, but you receive me as an angel of God. Wouldn't you love someone to be like, you're an angel? Well, like, mean it? Like, they received him as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Eyesight is always a big deal, but in that day and age, that's a figure of speech because eyesight, especially with no seeing eye dogs, things of that nature. Paul is saying, like, we, like you, you would have, figure of speech, given me your eyes. Like, this is a big deal. And then this powerful verse that just blows me away. Have I then become your enemy by what? Telling you the truth. If you've been following along in the book of Galatians, this is a change of tone. He's, my brothers, my brothers. He's, he's been attacking these Judaizers, these, these, these Christians, these Jewish Christians that are trying to get this, these people of Galatia to, to go back to this legalistic approach to the gospel. He, he's now he's, he's talking to the people that are being duped by them. He's, my brothers, my friends. This, this is a relational section. He, he starts off by saying, well, be as I am. Do, you do what I'm doing. If I am going to imitate you, if, I, if you're going to come to me and say, do what I'm doing, guess what that requires? Me to know you. If I don't know you, I don't know when you do you. I don't know what that is. 
I have to know you. So Paul, Paul is talking about a relational element because if we're going to truly wrestle together, aren't relationships important? If you come to me and this has happened, well, hey, do you know so-and-so? Yeah, I kind of know so-and-so. Well, good, they're a drunk. You need to go talk to them. Do you know so-and-so? How do you know them? And what comes out in that conversation is that, well, you have a relationship with that person. Perhaps you're better equipped to go and talk to so-and-so. Don't come to me. You go. You have the relationship. They'll better hear it from you than perhaps somebody that voided that relationship. So because Paul has this relationship, he has this privilege to come to them and say, do what I'm doing. Live as I'm living. And for him, this means continue living in freedom. Uh, I said yes to Jesus. I was a Pharisee. I was about this legalistic approach to the gospel. I was about, I earn my right before God. If I do, 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 God will be pleased with me instead of just resting in relationship. And now I've said yes to Jesus. I'm going to continue living in that freedom. What Paul is saying to these people, do as I'm doing, he's saying, keep going. Keep living out this freedom that you have in Jesus Christ. And, and, and do you catch, though, as we read that, did you catch Paul's confusion? He's talking, and he's like, what happened? I was traveling around. I got sick. If you get sick in that day and age where there's not hospitals and things of that nature, and you can get other people sick and they can die and all those types of things, like that's a big deal. You usually don't interact with people who are sick in that day and age. But he got sick. They took Paul in. They saw him as an angel of God. They, he, he shared a message, and they're like, this is a good word. I accept it. They accept Jesus Christ, the God behind this message. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. Pa Paul, is, Paul is remembering back, this used to be good. I'm that angel that you thought I was. What happened? How did things change? How, how do I go from a blessing to a curse? How do I go from being accepted to being rejected? And, and, and how? Do you remember that last verse that we read? Because I told you the truth. You have these Judaizers that are telling you to go this legalistic approach to the gospel. They're beating you a bunch of crud. And so now I'm the enemy. Because they want you to go to a legalistic approach to the gospel when I'm preaching grace and relationship. Now I'm the jerk. Paul's remembering this love and this relationship, and because he has love and relationship, he's, out with motivation, he's the one positioned to speak truth into their lives, even though it's going to make him an enemy. So maybe you're sitting here, and you're here just because your friend or your relative is going to stop nagging you to come to church. Perhaps, think about this for a second. Perhaps they just want you here because they love you. Perhaps speaking truth and the attitude you're giving them, maybe that's not as fun as you think it might be. Perhaps they're willing to, to endure your abuse because they know that this is worthwhile. The truth of the gospel message is worth speaking up about, and it's that love and that relationship that motivates us. Uh, I, as a youth pastor, formerly had, had, had the honor of getting to know students. At first, I was kind of like a, like a brotherly figure to them. And then I got a little older, and I was kind of like a, a dad figure to them. That got weird. And, 
And then if they ever called me grandpa, that's when I knew I was out. Time to start a church. But I, I built these relationships with the students. And, and, and it was good. It was healthy. It, it was I was able to speak truth into their lives. And here's what happened oftentimes. We get to know each other. All of a sudden, something comes out that's like, all right, okay, you need to stop doing you. You do you. doesn't work here. Uh, if you want to be more like Jesus, you need to cut this crap out. <laughs> maybe sleeping with your girlfriend or partying every Saturday. Maybe, maybe that's not how we become more like Jesus. And then all of a sudden, I speak truth into their lives, and guess what happens? With the best of intentions and love and whatnot, what happens? I become the enemy. I'm a jerk. Church sucks. Youth group, you don't want to go to youth group. That place is terrible. They're going to they're gonna brainwash you. Why? Because I don't want you to end up in a body bag with a heroin overdose, as I had the unfortunate privilege. And I don't say, I, not a privilege, to bury students that died with heroin. Perhaps out of a place of love, we can speak truth, but we have to know that sometimes that's going to bring about a level of hate. Uh, Gil, Zach, Graham, if you guys could come up here, I need, come up over here, grab a chair, and like place it like right over here. I want to interview you guys for a, for a hot for a hot second. Perhaps we, from a place of relationship, can't turn a blind eye if we believe love is truthful. If love is truth, what 1 Corinthians talks about, then, then we have to speak up. And so I, I want to invite Graham, uh, Graham, uh, Zach, and uh, Gil up here. Uh, they are in relationship, friendship together. Uh, just, yeah, bring, just, you're going to be up here all stage, so just get comfortable all sermon. Get up. Yeah, right. You can surround me. That's weird. Right over here. Don't be weird. Right over here. All right. Thanks, guys. He's a Yankee fan. They're all Yankee fans. And, uh. So they, they have this, like, I think it's a text message group that goes on because you guys are millennials and crap. And uh, so first, tell me about how this relationship, the three of you guys, how you formed a relationship. Graham, I think you were at the heart of that, forming this three-headed monster. Uh, how was this? How did this start? Yeah, so um, it was, I mean, it was kind of organic because we all served together in production. Um, so we kind of built the relationship through that and out of volunteering kind of said, you know what, these are two guys that I want to get to know more and want to dive deeper with. Okay, so as you're diving deeper, uh, as you're texting, have any of you had to speak hard truth into each other's lives? And if so, how did the relationship make it easy to accept? Um, I would say, w since I'm, like, newer, it wasn't like, you got to change this. It was kind of <laughs> like, more or less like, why don't you think about it this way? Mm -hmm. And because it, they're friends of mine, I know where it's coming from. Okay. So it just makes it easier to accept. So it wasn't Joe Schmo coming off the street and being like, hey, you suck. Let me tell you about Jesus. Yeah, it's not like, you know what your problem is? Yeah, yeah. No. Okay, so the relationship made it easier to take on that, that truth. Okay, so then my, my last question for this part of it is, have you guys, as you wrestled together in relationship, have you guys seen an impact on your other relationships? we're diving through, you know, what does it mean to be compassionate and what, and what is her like, as I'm working on those things in my life, it's going to help me better my marriage. Okay. It's going to help me better my other relationships and my family. So, again, a better version of me moves forward with my relationships with other people. Cool. Perfect. All right. Stay up here. I'm going to talk to you guys more in, in a hot second. It's weird, but just 
blends in. All right, so the next thing, so we're going we're gonna to wrestle from a place of relationship, but then Paul gets into that we're going to wrestle from a place of understanding. And so he says this, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out uh, that you may make much of them, these Judaizers. Uh, it's always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. Paul, he's stepping back and he's saying, I understand this situation. I understand how this is playing out. As he steps back, he says, I used to be in this legalistic approach to life. And so I understand that these Judaizers, they're motivated to them for their fame, their goodness. They're, they, they just want to promote legalism. They're coming across like they care about you, but they don't. They want to come down on you to make them all, their own selves feel better. If they make themselves feel better, well, then as they're earning their right approach before God, they're feeling pretty good about it. And so to do that, Paul is saying, I understand why you're shutting me out because of what they are saying, but, but, but you're not shutting me out. You're shutting out the God behind my message. And so Paul is looking at this situation. He's looking at their motivation He's looking at the motivation that he has, and he's looking at the, the whole thing with a clear picture of understanding. Now, Graham is an introvert. Yes, Graham is. He hates right now being on stage. He hates this. I'm more of an extrovert. I love this. I could do this forever. But there's this clinical thing called an extroverted introvert, which is an extrovert who sometimes tends to be a little bit more introverted, or an introverted extrovert who is an introvert, Graham, who sometimes is a little extroverted, so he kind of gets his extrovertism when he's up here preaching. Uh, and so, so you can be an introvert and have that tendency as well, and, and vice versa. So I fall on the range of being somebody who is extroverted, but I need my introverted time. And so Ava knows that, and she knows. Here's, here's a, a blog post that talks about some of the signs that you might be somebody who's an extrovert with some introverted tendencies. If this might be you, if your energy is closely tied to your environment. I love that. Uh, if you find that both, if you find people to be both intriguing and exhausting. Amen! Like, people are both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and then it, you might be an extroverted introvert if certain people and interactions drain you while others recharge you. They're, they're kind of linked together, and that's true. I can, I can gain life from people, or I can be drained by people. You can be charming, but also deeply introspective and reflective. I am so charming. Uh, and so I agree with this blog post, but well, I say that kind of kiddingly, but I also I, I love to journal. Uh, and when you, when you feel rested and recharged, you reach out to others. Me, relationally, is best when I'm rested. You need time to warm up to social situations. I will never be extroverted right away. It takes a little bit of time, and then once I get going, like, watch out. Uh, and so if it actually takes less energy to say what's on your mind than to make small talk. I hate small talk. I love going deep quickly. Uh, you're selectively social. And so those are things that are true of me. Ava knows that. So here's how this played out earlier. Ava and I are in relationship. We're married. So she understands me. She understands my inclinations. So last week, she said to me, hey, Jason, after preaching all day, after being around people all day, let's go out to dinner with five other couples. And I was like, no. Well, no. We're going home. We're watching golf. 
We're sitting on the couch. We don't have kids with us. They were at, the, they were at grandma's house. Like we're sitting and doing nothing for the rest of the day. But Ava, knowing me, understanding me, said, no, these are people you actually like. They will recharge you. She didn't use those exact words, but she knew it would be for my best, in my best interest. We went back and forth. And I said those famous words that every spouse loves to hear. You know what? You're right. <laughs> I said that I went out to dinner with people that I genuinely love and care about. And guess what happened? Ava was right. They recharged me. And it fueled me for the week. Because Ava understood the situation, she was able to speak intelligently into it. And so my question now, again for the panel, Zach, at some point you do have to speak. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my question is this, have there been times where somebody else's perspective helped you see a situation differently, and then why were you able to trust their perspective? Could be anybody, but start. Well, the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> everybody has their own perspective of things, and sometimes all you need is just a fresh set of eyes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And coming from either of them, I trust both of them. So that, so okay, because of that relationship, their their different perspective. It wasn't like ignore that perspective. It was at least give it thought. Yes. Okay. Uh, and so then, so why? Tell me then this. Sometimes we would ignore a perspective. Sometimes we would take it on. Why is it healthy? Anybody here? Why is it healthy to get a better perspective of a situation at hand? <laughs> I guess it's my turn. <laughs> Um, sometimes it's for physical health, sometimes it's for spiritual health. Um, and it, it's great to have that because sometimes uh, I'm normally not wrong, type <laughs> speak. So when, <laughs> so when it does get brought to my attention, obviously there's something big, like my kids telling me I was fat. It had to be hard for them. It was, it was hard. They actually, yeah. they spoke to, we had to have a talk about speaking the truth in love, yeah. but yeah. they, uh. <laughs> Yeah, they came up with a song. It was called Fat Daddy. And, you know, that perspective was helpful. And that perspective, I thought it was okay. <laughs> but uh, physically, I got better. Uh, spiritually, I got better. And everyone benefited from it. So. so, like, when we're not involved in a situation, we can be honest with ourselves and say, I don't always view a situation as I should view a situation. And so being in healthy relationships with each other, I can surround myself with people that might see a situation better than I see it. Okay, so uh, last point that Paul is going to drive home as we're wrestling together towards endless growth, a, a way in which we do this, is we wrestle from a place of genuine care. He says this as he closes out our, our section. He says, my little children, for whom I again, uh, I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone. For I am perplexed about you. Paul is talking about his motivation of the gospel. He's talking about how I wish I could be there, that we've already given birth to this gospel thing, and I want this to keep going. When he uses that word uh, form, that's a, that's a Greek form that, that like morph, that we would get morphing and transformation from. He, he does, he's not saying, well, just say yes to Jesus, and then my job is done. As any good parent, you, want, you don't want to just give birth to a child. You want to see them grow and become adult and be healthy and see them make a difference in this world and say yes to Jesus. 
Paul is saying, do I have to give childbirth again? Labor ain't fun for anybody. I don't want to have to go through this again. And so he's talking like that of a parent and saying, I so wish I could be with you. In Paul's day and age, this is him saying, I wish I wasn't sending a text message because I know it might come across harsh or I might lose my tone. If I could be with you, this would be an easier conversation. But this is all I got, so I'm going to take all that I got, pen to paper. But I want to be with you, and I do care about you because this is of vital importance. I don't want you only to say yes to Jesus. I want you to see, I want to see you become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I have passion to see you become more like Jesus because when you become more like Jesus, you will find freedom. I saw that play out this summer in my own life. Somebody that genuinely, a group of people that genuinely cared about me. And it started with Graham, who on one of our weekly phone conversations at the very end said just one little phrase, you seem different. And I was like, you shut up, and I hung up. I didn't actually do that, but I wanted to. But he said that to me, he was, and I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't really know, but you seem a little different. Not like anything's bad, but you just seem different. And because different perspective, I, and I trust Graham, I started giving that prayerful thought. And then I took this assessment about, like, who am I as a person? How do I lead my leadership, my communication, things of that nature? And one of the things this assessment gave back to me is how I act when I'm stressed, how I think others view me when I'm stressed, and how others actually view me when I'm stressed. And I'm sitting there on a Sunday afternoon reading this on the couch. Ava's at her desk. It's just the two of us in the room. And I'm like, like people actually think I'm X, Y, Z. And I'm, I kinda, I'm laughing. And, 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 and then she said, yeah, that's true. Like, you're a jerk when you're stressed. And you come across this way, and it's really not that much fun. And... And Ava doesn't hate me. She married me. <laughs> and so I had to take it. I had to take what Graham said. And then I had another conversation with a staff member that just said, Jason, do you trust me? Like, wh why, what are you doing? Do, do you trust me? I don't, I don't see trust playing out. And then I went on this prayer retreat, and I took all of these things together, and I said, the staff member, Graham, Ava, they care about me. And so I can ignore it. Or I can take it to heart and say, God, what are you doing through people to get my attention? And I've had to make significant changes about my leadership, and I'm convinced that the stress of going into a new building is a whole lot easier when we lead stronger and better. And I'm thankful for Graham. I'm thankful for Ava. I'm thankful for, for Carly that spoke truth into my life because it's needed in this time of of what, where we're at. They, they weren't attacking me. They, they were loving me, and they wanted me to be more like Jesus. They wanted me to be better because they wanted me to endlessly grow as we want that for each other. And so my last set of questions for my esteemed panel here is how do you know there is genuine care for each other in this group? You said it. How do you know it? How do you know the three of you care about each other? We still talk to each other. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, uh, like the, we reach out, have coffee. Um, sometimes if it's just a bad day, it's just like, how's the group doing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just you know, okay. and that's how you know there's genuine love between brothers. Yeah, and so uh, kind of a follow-up to that. So, so if they're giving godly advice to you, 
how do you also know that not only do they care about you, but they that all three of you care primarily about Jesus Christ and the relationship with our Heavenly Father? How is that known through the group? I think it's you're seeing where the advice is coming from, right? So, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about recently is how we want to become better followers of Christ. And one of the things I said is I want a better prayer. Um, I want to be praying daily. And to see them kind of speak back and forth into me, I know that it's coming from a good place. It's coming from a God place. Um, it's not just, you know, random advice. So I think that's really important. <laughs> so last, uh, last thing, Graham, you mentioned it briefly. Uh, but if people sitting among us would love to encounter a relationship like this, how can they find that here at Rockport? Um, yeah, so a couple different ways. One is volunteering. I mean, some of the closest, deepest relationships I have in this church is because I show up at 6.30 in the morning and start rubbing shoulders with some people. Um, that is a fantastic way to start building a relationship and get deeper into this. Or a life group. A life group is an even better way to really sit down once a week and kind of dive into spiritual things and the relationships that can birth out of that are just unbelievable. Cool. Awesome. Can you guys thank my esteemed uh, panel here? So if we're going to continually wrestle together towards endless growth, we're going to wrestle from a place of relationship. Uh, we're going to uh, wrestle uh, from a place of understanding, and we're going to wrestle from a place of genuine care. So the question then becomes for us, are we willing to hear truth? Are we willing to accept truth and, and pass it on? Truth has a way of helping us uh, see into our weaknesses, and they have to, to embrace truth has a way uh, of saying, well, this is an area that's broken in my life, and I either accept it as truth and change, or I act like a fool, understanding that it's true, and I then ignore it. And so how do you respond then to truth? Are you seeking people out that would be willing to speak truth into your life? I've had to do that where it's, listen, I'm going into a stressful season. I know I can be a jerk amongst when I'm stressed. I'm inviting you to speak into my life when it might hurt. You and I need that. Are you willing to go to a place where somebody might Get to a place of evaluation and speak into your life, or do you cast them aside? Truth can make us bitter, angry, or resentful, but true maturity appreciates wisdom because we see the life-changing effect. Has anybody spoken into your life recently? Was it hurtful but maybe helpful? Was your inclination, your gut to say, screw you? I'm out. But perhaps what they were saying, when you step back, when you're in this moment, this quiet moment here, as you're thinking about it, as you know that that person genuinely loves you, why'd they say it? Is it worth considering what they might have been saying? And Paul's looking at these Galatians and saying, the gospel freedom is of such importance you better hear what I'm saying. I love you. And so how that person that spoke truth into your life, are they an, are they an enemy right now? Do they feel like an enemy? And so that's my, that's my challenge for us this morning. My challenge for us this morning is to act now, apologize now, thank them now.
And what I mean by that is I know what it's like to be on, on both the receiving end of giving, giving advice and becoming an enemy. And I know what it's like to be on, 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 the, on the side of the equation where people are speaking truth into my life and it might hurt. And so having been on both sides of the equation, if somebody told you the truth and became an enemy, they likely feel like an enemy. And now you're in this moment, this quiet moment. Maybe you need to circle back and thank them simply for being willing to speak truth into your life. Maybe that, send them, like right now, pull out your phones. I hope this room becomes glowing. Because maybe right now you need to send a text message to somebody saying, listen, a week, a month, a year ago, you said something to me, and I've been ignoring you ever since. I can't say that I'm accepting that truth right now, but here's what I can say. I know that it came from a place of love, and I'm going, I'm going to think about this a little bit more now. I'm asking that right now you would act upon the truth that was said to you by interacting with that person and giving it a little bit of thought. Here's, here's how, how this finally played out in, in, in my life. I, I, I have my own take too. I, I, I invest into some people on a, on a deeper level. And I was having breakfast with one of my take twos, one of the people that I'm mentoring. And we speak hard truth into each other's lives. And, and I, I was aware of, of a situation that was playing out in this person's life. And, and they were coming to me for advice. And, and we're having breakfast. We're doing life together. And, and, and it had some friendship and relational elements. And, 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 and my advice to them was, well, if you never communicate this hard truth to them, then you can never expect them to change. If you're not willing to, to take, the, take the strength and, 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 and if you're not willing to communicate, then they're not going to all of a sudden just understand osmosis, like, oh, yeah, I must have to do this. You have to communicate and love them enough to communicate and then watch what the Holy Spirit does from that. And as I was communicating this hard truth, Jesus slapped me. And I'm, I'm communicating that, and I, I'm, I'm investing into my friend, and God said, you're mad at your brother, and you've never communicated it. You've been ignoring him because it just makes things easier. And so as I'm giving my friend advice, I, I stopped and I said, I cannot give you this advice with any ounce of integrity. I haven't taken it. I know it's good advice, and so here's my promise to you. I'm going to act now. I promise to you that because I understand that this is good advice, before I go to sleep tonight, I'm going to reach out to my brother. I'm going to communicate with him what's been, pain, what's been painful for me and just see where God takes that. And I did. And what is so awesome is that I probably have a better relationship with my brother than I've ever had in my entire life. Because one of my hurts was that, well, he, like, I want him to come and visit and he came to church a few weeks later. When I was on vacation, I went and visited him on the way down and on the way back. He welcomed me into his home. The, the whole Because we put the, the conversation on the table, we were able to wrestle together and it became a healthier relationship. You grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, the relationships around you have a way of becoming healthier as well. A healthier you is healthier for all your relationships. Wrestle together towards endless growth. Why? Because Jesus is worthwhile to wrestle for and amongst us, is he not? Let's sing.
Thank you so much for watching. If this was your first time with us, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you call Wellspring Church home, different ways to give are listed in the video description below. And please subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, and this YouTube channel to be kept up in all the newest content from Wellspring Church.